Welcome, welcome, welcome. Peace. My name is Sonny Ture. I'm Akita G. And this is the Fire This Time Podcast. We back. Episode 40, Aki. Episode 40. Little light milestone. Yeah. Yeah. Last time, you know, you know, last time we talked to y'all, man, we we was waiting for the snowstorm. Well, guess what? It came. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it did. It put the flames out for about four days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, we we back up, you know, it rekindled itself. So, you know, we back here to give you episode 40. Yep. So we got a couple things on the on the uh, plate for today. We're gonna be talking mainly about uh, you know black man that's been targeted by vigilante or police violence and murder. Yeah. And uh, just go, running running through some of the I won't say current events, but you know I guess uh, you know anniversaries and current events would be a good way to put it because it's been in the news for a number of reasons this past week. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, let's just say uh, you know the saga continues. You know, when it comes down to the black man here in America and the assault on him, you know, uh, this episode exposes a lot, you know, shiesty deals, backroom deals, you know, but also the same old attack that we used to seeing from the state. You know, this ain't nothing new with us. So uh, we're going to try to tackle a couple of little bit of things like that this week. But we're going to start off first with, you know, this week's fire. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're in the month of February. What that mean, Aki? That means it's Black History Month. Okay. You know, even though every day should be Black History Month, this is the week that has been designated for Black History. You know, founded by Carter G. Woodson. You know, uh, I only I knew about him mostly through Miseducation of a Negro. So. Uh, that book right there, if you ain't never heard that book or read that book, you need to check that one out right there. Yeah. Because uh, it definitely gives you an understanding how, how Negroes can be miseducated in this uh, European education system and be miseducated even in a black one if you ain't got the right training in there and the people teaching the truth, you know. But this is a month to celebrate our history. So, you know, we're going to definitely try to kick that off. You know, need to try to learn something about there, somebody new. In our history, every single day. So, yeah, let's talk about uh, our brother Carter G. Woodson, our ancestor Carter G. Woodson, a little bit more, Aki. Uh, I think uh, I came into it, you know, real knowledge about him when I uh, came here for grad school. And, you know, like like you, bought miseducation. And uh, also, you know, I know he's the founder of the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, an organization which I'm a part of. Uh, but, you know, other things, uh, he was the founder of the Journal of Negro History in 1916. He was educated, uh, I believe, yes, at, uh, well, first at the University of Chicago and later for his Ph.D. at Harvard University, University. Uh, known for being a dean at Howard University later. And, um, yeah, Aki, I mean, uh, he also has one of our favorite quotes of all time. Mm, yeah. Uh, go ahead and give, give it to the people, Aki. He said Harvard has produced more, but Harvard has produced more. No, mis- Harvard has ruined. Has more more Negroes than bad whiskey. Yeah. And, and, go ahead. And, and he right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and he's a graduate of Harvard. Ain't that some shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's bad when you graduate from college. But you know what? I got a relative like that, and she believed the same thing about her alma mater, so yeah. I mean, um, and if you read the book *Miseducation of the Negro*, it's a book is largely about how educational institutions have functioned in this country mm-hmm. to 
further distance black people from their history, from uh, their national culture. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from the type of thinking that it's going to lead to real betterment of, yeah. of us as a people. It thinks that it keep, it, he spoke about how it kept them from thinking independent as a people. Mm-hmm. You know, Carter G. Woodson was one of those actually scholar nationalists, I like. Right. You know, um, a lot of people don't talk about that nationalist side about him, but it's all in the book because he talks about, you know what I'm saying, our own schools and our own education, the support of HBCUs. He even spoke on some things that's going on with HBCUs right now that I guess he foresaw back then. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I always got to give love to the man who started something that was official for us, you know. Right, and he started on February 6th. Uh, was it 6th? Uh, 7th. February 7th, 1926. Today. Carter, Carter G. Woodson uh, initiated the first celebration of Negro History Week, which yeah. later became... Black History Month. Oh, so he started off with a week, and then he was like, you know what? Go ahead. I guess he doubled up and said, just give me a month. Yep. Give so, us a whole month. So and we're four years away from the 100th year anniversary of uh, Negro History Week and Black oh, History Wow. Month. Wow. So, Aki, let me ask you something while we're on this topic, just real quick. Uh, what do you think about, um, you know, within pop culture, this push, and even amongst some other, you know, black people with platforms, this push to, you know, not celebrate Black History Month no more? And uh, maybe call something like I know Kanye is pushing Black Futures Month. <laughs> um, it's like that's just woke shit. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. I keep to me, it's just that woke stuff. I mean, um, I don't see anything wrong with it, besides the fact of that I feel Black history should be a part of Black people's life every day. It should be in their households. I, I agree, and I think for some of us. It is, you know what I'm saying? But I I guess I'm also thinking, like, what's wrong with also having a month, making it part of our daily living, but also having a month where we set aside and we're going to celebrate the the history and our ancestors, you know what I'm saying? You know, um, I don't know. You know, to me, that could be a a uniting national cultural force. Mm -hmm. Having a month set aside where, you know, we, we put more time and effort into that. Yeah. Celebrations, I, I, rituals, whatever yeah. we do, you know? I don't think it needs to be related to much, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I guess there is some type of commentary there between Black History Month and trying to promote black history to people that's not black. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think it should be more of a celebration. Uh, it, to me, it's, if it's going to be something of a, uh, in that sense that I'm thinking, it's it's exclusive mm-hmm. to us. Like, like, I mean, I'm not saying that we don't have celebrations and other people are welcome, but in the sense of, like, it is a an African-American cultural holiday. Mm-hmm. Cultural, you know what I'm saying? And you have holidays that sort of like that, too, and various other cultures, Akan and Yoruba cultures, too. And I think some people just have this short side. even black folk, you know what I'm saying? Some of us have this short-sighted view. I'm talking about black folk. Yeah. Have this short-sighted view of black history. Where it's like, why do we, we already learned that history yeah. type shit, you know what I'm saying? And I think some of that is just the poor presentation of that history in the educational institutions that we attended. I you mean, yeah, nowadays, yeah, it's probably like that in the school system nowadays. I mean, like I said, we're in a woke generation, Aki. And so in this era, every their history is tweets, mm-hmm. Facebook posts. So it's never nothing in depth unless they go into the academy and they start learning these stories and these histories of these people. Yeah. And I, I even think some of the histories 
like, I mean, well, that's a whole nother subject, but, you know, some of the histories of even in recent times have even been perverted. Mm. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know. Um, we'd we be exposing some of that on the show, so. No, I definitely you know, feel you. So, I mean, it's like, um, I mean, it does need to have a prominence. History is going to always be a part of, to me, a tool for liberation. Mm-hmm. You know, if we become a nation, what is going to be our history? How are we going to, you know what I'm saying, scale? Every group of people that came into a high level of culture started to document their past or or I should say in Africa, document their past through oral. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Transfer oral, transfer their culture and uh, histories orally. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're in this era of time now where we can do it on paper, book, disc, website, tweet, everything. And so, you know, be it, to deal with history, it take time. It, you mm-hmm. know, it real. I mean, the, the, I don't think nobody has to be a scholar. No, not at all. You know, nothing like that. But I, I, I think, I mean, when I said what I said, I think the onus is really on black historians, you know what I'm saying, to reach out and, and, and give people that history in accessible, entertaining ways. Which yeah, we try yeah. try to do on the podcast. Yeah, and I mean, they, we got to do, we do have to develop new, newer ways. Right. You know, just like I say, the revolution got to adapt to the times and the technology. The history has to adapt. There's no reason why... You know, that's I remember when Hidden Colors came. Mm. And one of the things I always gave credit to it is that it took a lot of the knowledge and stuff and the histories of people and the books that I had to read and put them in one single DVD. Mm-hmm. Shit that you had, that, the, the history in them, and on that, on that video, damn dear, was probably 30, 40 books mm-hmm. of stuff. Hey, I'm, I know, I graduated high school in 09. I know... And, and I watched Hidden Colors probably for the first time. Uh, what was it? Uh, it might have been like 2012. I guess it was like yeah. 2011, 2012 when Hidden Colors came out, though. Yeah. But, I mean, in that time, I hadn't gotten, you know, from a few associations I had with some people, you know what I'm saying, some brothers that had the knowledge was Conscious Brothers. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying, like, uh, as far as getting it in that form... And getting it in a way where, you know, we can easily share it amongst each other and have conversations about this stuff. Yeah. Like, that was different. You know what I'm saying? I remember who I was with the first time we seen Hidden Colors together. Yeah. Shout out Kevon, my boy Trey. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we shot, uh, I, I, I guess it was at Kevon and Trey's spot. I, I believe it was. Uh, we sat right there on the couch and watched that joint and... We we was all changed from it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I know I know in the academy, uh, hidden colors catches some flack. You know what I'm saying, and rightfully so because th- there are some parts that uh, you know should have been better. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, but you know it, it did wonders for the well, consciousness of my generation. Yeah, well the beautiful thing I always tell people is that it gave a generalized study using real historians that I knew was legitimate. I knew they was legitimate. I'm like, what are, what are you doing on here? You know what I'm saying? I knew he was legitimate. I seen them on there just giving a general study of history. Like, to me, Hidden Colors can be a good intro. Like, if we if it was a series or set of historical national videos of African-American history, Hidden Colors would be a nice starter. Hey, if you only had an hour with a brother, you know what I'm saying, to put him on game through visual element you know what i'm saying 
Hidden Colors is is a top choice. And it honestly, it do more damage than me telling them. I can never articulate like you can see. At, at all. At all. You know, no matter how. I, I mean, I know some great MCs out here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I never can Shout articulate. Yeah, true indeed. <laughs> I never can articulate, though, as good as you can see. To see those video, to see that in video, and then it had a, a liberating theme behind it, you know, I would like to see more stuff like that about the reconstruction, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it could have added that in it. It didn't have that in it. It could that that could have been a piece that could have been it. But mm-hmm. they could easily go revise that. Mm-hmm. And I, but I mean, all this to say, like when we say, you know, probably the best hour, you know, visual format we can give a young brother, you know, saying to put him on game, put him on consciousness. If yeah. if they don't know nothing, they don't and, know I mean, nothing. And, and and relative to where I was when I seen it, I didn't know yeah. nothing, Aki. And I know they, you, we all know a lot of brothers like that that, did, that didn't know nothing. They know nothing before they seen that. And I been, used that video to help enlighten people, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But you know, but us celebrating that is also saying, you know, what I'm saying like Tariq Nasheed. I, I, I don't. I'm not looking for Tariq Nasheed to make another Hidden Colors. You know, that's, what I'm saying that's like, the point. Like, like the we got like that's why I say the onus is on black historians. Yeah. You know, what I'm saying and Tariq Nasheed is not a black historian. Yeah. Take the model that he used, right. And then do the real history, the the deep history in ways others. that are accessible to us. Hidden Colors was, was accessible, accessible like no other form of media ever before. I got mine through the bootleg man. Shout out to James. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You know what I'm saying? I got mine through the bootleg. Like man, hey, can you do the Hidden Colors? He was like, yeah, I could do the Hidden Colors. I got it at the crib. Yeah, do up a couple of them. I guarantee you to pop. He was like, I sell out of them all the time. It was a great little joint. Now the one, the twos, the threes, the fours, and the fives—I don't know, but I say we take that model, maybe develop some other models, and we know make his because history is a tool of revolution. It's a tool of liberation. You know and what I'm saying? Boys are ready to follow Umar Johnson off that first second colors. Man, shoot, <laughs> hey, I'm gonna say it raw. Nobody knew who the hell Umar. Only reason I knew him was from the UNIA. Nobody knew nothing about Umar Johnson before hitting colors. Who uh, hitting colors built careers for real. You know what I'm saying? Literally, you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, it's a lot, you know, that we could do with history, you know, but it has to be something that's appealing, something that they can catch. Like I said, it do, it'll do do more work. That it Now it's, it, we out of the era of the, the street brother, the brother that, or the ciphers, you know, and you, you, you know, you run across people doing their thing. Now, you don't catch it like that no more. Social media has made it to where people are in the house. They're more enclosed in with their phones. So, you know, you got to make stuff that's accessible like that. Something that makes somebody want to go back to the house on and have some tea and a uh, tree of life. And, um, you know, look at the video, you know, mm-hmm. had some very good, peaceful Righteous sessions of knowledge on hidden colors. Plenty. You know? Plenty. You know? You know? And, and going back and forth with the brothers and the sisters. And somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I said, hidden colors, this is my last point on it. It cuts a lot of flack from black academics in the academy. You know what I'm saying? But I have yet to see a study really on hidden colors' effect and proliferation in the black community. Because it did, it did numbers on the underground like nothing else, Aki. 
damn near made to, made Tariq. Now she damn near millionaire. But that shit was platinum off bootlegs in the hood. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't just. I mean, uh, for sure, I, I'm sure I, I know Tariq and she seen plenty of dough off of that. But I'm, I'm like, like you said, the bootleg man, and like every copy I seen was a bootleg copy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't. I, I, I never seen it. You know what I'm saying? I, no, I, no. I, I take that back. I have seen official DVD copies of it. Yeah. Uh, but nah, it was bootleg copies that was getting passed around. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and almost by that time we had we could get the video file just on the computer. Yeah. You know that we was entering in that time too. I mean, you know, man, we, you know, it's a lot of things we can do. I mean, I look at it like we got, you know, people who got whole studios that can do documentaries the same way I can go look up, right, a Viking documentary on Vlad the Red, a Viking king who sailed, you know, to wherever, and they actually do costume reenactments and depictions of these historical moments on TV to tell these people history. It catch my attention, and they ain't even talking about, that, you know what I'm saying, African. that's really a, nothing African, nothing African-American that's related to me. I would love to see something like that on, you know what I'm saying, um, the Ghana, the, the ancient Ghana Empire, or or or, or, or um, a, a comedic, you know, what I'm saying, kingdom. It can't just be Tariq Nasheed and Henry Louis Gates. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would love to see something like that. We got the money and the, the studios and the actors to do all of that stuff. I would love to see some of these actors and some three hundred ish type shit. You know, what I'm saying we got to take our history and make it famous. You know, I shouldn't have to look at three hundred to like a war movie. I may my I I may admire it, but I should have my own. Some black produced long mi- uh, ministry, ministries or mini series, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Of of black history documentaries, you know what I'm saying? That have live actors in them, reenactments. That would be raw. You know the what I'm saying? Only like time I seen, I seen it one time. I can You want to know when? Mm. They did a Christmas. Mm. Christmas. They did a Christmas one. I seen a Christmas one before. They had some actors and stuff in it, and they enacted the moments like the Black Christmas. That's when the Black Jesus thing was real big. And it wasn't old. It was probably in the nineties. I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. I think it was on BET. But I rem- I remember seeing that. You know what I'm saying? But that's say all of this. You know, as um a people, make your history every day, but also celebrate your history this month. I know y'all got Facebook, y'all got Twitter, and all this other shit. There's going to be plenty of people posting histories of some of our great ancestors um, and take the time to read them. There's always more to learn, you know. And if it sparks your interest, then you just press on that name with your iPhone or your Android and wait for the copy, paste, or cut. (laughs) <laughs> the emoji to pop up and hit that copy and then go look that up in a search on your Google or Safari search engine and get some knowledge this month you know what I'm saying and do it every day mm-hmm. so Aki as we transition and, and, and really change tone now uh, in the podcast I'm also thinking just as a, some connective tissue between the two topics gotcha. you know some of the reason why our family is so reluctant sometimes 
to dig into our history is because of the trauma there in the history but also amongst us daily now yeah you know what I'm saying there's a lot of traumatic shit going on mm-hmm. which is distracting us from digging into our history yeah and uh, possibly most prominent among those things is our execution our killing our genocide by the state its agents its adherents and its patriots yeah so that brings us to you know the topic of black men being targeted uh, and killed by vig- white vigilantes or white officers, you know, as really part of the American tradition, as we know, Aki. Yeah, it's as as American as apple pies, drone drone warfare, and all uh, that. Other yeah, top down economies, all that shit, right? Colonizer shit that they do, <laughs> right? You know, uh, but you know, to start, you know, what I'm saying we're gonna talk about Trayvon Martin, you know. Uh, a few other cases we're going to talk about, you know, that are more, much more contemporary. So make sure you stay, stay around for those. Yeah. But this past week, February 5th, uh, oh, two days ago, Aki, yeah. it was Trayvon Martin's birthday. Yeah. And uh, he would have been 20, uh, Six. 26. Yep. And um, he died, like I said, 10 years ago today on the 26th of uh this month. So he died on February 26th in 2012. Yeah. But he was born on February 5th. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, we're going to have 10 years from the time of his death later this month. And um, also his birthday just passed. So a perfect time to, you know, commemorate uh, the memory of our brother that we lost too soon. You know. And, um, yeah, Aki, uh, tell the people, I mean— what was your politics doing? You know what I'm saying? What what was you doing at the time of, of, of Trayvon's killing by George Zimmerman? And like, uh, like as far as like, where does it fit in for you in the political picture that emerged and, and that we have now? I mean, um, it was one of those things that to me caused the, the, the spark for a lot of stuff to come. Um, at that time, I just heard about it in the news. Um, the nationalist movement was involved in it. But before, you know, um, I should say uh, the Ferguson situation, we were just involved in it on our regular involvement. People who was up there on the ground that we knew of, you know what I'm saying? We spoke about it, things of that such nature. Um, I think it got more prominence to me once the Ferguson situation happened. Because it was in the news, mm-hmm. you know, but it was... It, it wasn't as, you know, static as it was in Ferguson. But the powder keg had been lit, though. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm yeah, I agree. I, I remember a year before Trayvon Martin in two, two, 2011, Troy Davis was executed. Yeah, and I remember if my first, for what it's worth, my first uh, like digital political action on my own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, was I I made a meme before meme was even a word. I made like a a graphic of uh, Troy Davis. 
like I put like a filter over a picture of him that made it look like a painting. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And I put the words on there, I am Troy Davis. Yeah. Or we are Troy Davis, something like that. You know, yeah. you know, I just posted all my shit. Yeah. And uh and that one hit that one hit hard, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Because that was before Trayvon Martin. Mm-hmm. I'm a young man going to the University of Southern Indiana. You know, I'm like a sophomore, you know, at the time, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm watching the news, and I'm bugging out. And I'm wondering why more people around me is not bugging out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That this clearly innocent black man is about to be executed. And, uh, like, people, like, were sitting on their hands. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, of course, this is, uh, you know, a few years after, you know, Obama elected and all that shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you bearing witness to all this. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, just in the national frame, like, you know the shit is racist still. Even with Obama there, you know shit is racist. But to, just to see it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was it was, it was, was real. The Trayvon Martin happened. And, you know, by that time, shout out to the Evansville community. Shout out to the Black Student Union I was a part of at the mm-hmm. time as well. Uh, there was two marches in the city. You know what I'm saying? Uh, one downtown and one on campus. You know, mm-hmm. I spoke to the one on campus, my homegirl Ariel. She spoke with the one uh, that took place uh, in the community. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the community came together, you know what I'm saying? At black community especially, you know. Yeah. I remember even then, white folk were seeing our march. This for Trayvon Martin back in 2012. You know what I'm saying? Seeing our march downtown Evansville and just sneering at it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. you know, being hateful toward it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, but yeah, I, I remember that shit. And then, of course, I, I mean, I like, like by the time that Mike Brown happened, I moved from Evansville here to Illinois. And it was incidents, too. It was incidents that went on between that. Oh, for sure. Between that, between right, right after that Trayvon Martin, it was a couple of more incidents that came. You and know then after saying? Mike Brown, there was, there was more that came, yeah. too. So it was just like, it just kept building up. You know, for sure, no, big time, big I mean, time. And I think too, one thing you mentioned, Obama had just got elected, reelected. I think he just got reelected. No, yeah, he, he, but for wait, for Troy Davis, he had been elected for two or three years. Yeah, and and, and, and then twenty twelve, he got reelected. Yeah, yeah. We were still on that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the political talk was going more there. I think that sort of nullified some of the attention that it may have gotten um until we start rioting <laughs> you know what I'm saying when we started rioting that changed a lot um or I, sh- I shouldn't say rioting we had a rebellion um naturally though you know that's a brother that was lost he would have been 26 years old you know um That'd be this month. So he's already would have been 26 years old. You know, no telling what he could have did. You know, I found out that he went to aviator camp and stuff like that. He could have been a pilot, an astronaut, or whatever. You know, he didn't even get a chance to. Um, and what was my man doing? He had, what, some, he had some Skittles. Trayvon, some Skittles, some Arizona iced tea. Skittles and Arizona iced tea. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Ain't that some shit. You know. But you know, man, um, man I mean I, I remember how pissed off I was. I just I mean random story I key. I think I might I, I don't know if I told you this. Maybe I have before. The night that Zimmerman was found not guilty. Mm. 
I remember how pissed off I was. And I was with my girl at the time. And uh, left there, I believe. And then I know I linked up with my boy Kevon. And we was both pissed off. But anyway, we was trying to chill. We went downtown. And this is, you know, late at night. This is when the club's about to let out. The bar's about to let out. And uh, Kevon got, we was walking on the street. And Kevon happened to brush against uh, this white boy's car. And they got, they ended up getting into an argument. And, uh, I mean, the white boy get out of his car and keep on him is facing off. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, there was another white dude that, uh, I knew, uh, his name was Aaron. And he, he ended up, he was right there on the scene, but he walked away. You're not, it, hold on. You're not incriminating yourself. No, not right. at all. Not at all. Not, no, no. Okay. okay so, anyways. up nobody. <laughs> anyways, this white dude, Aaron, was on the scene, too. And he ended up walking away, you know what I'm saying, real quick. And then, thankfully, the situation died down. I'm yeah. kind of standing off to the side, ready to swing on this nigga. But not, they ended up not fighting. <laughs> swing on the white dude. But uh, come to find out, white dude was strapped. You know, Aaron had walked away because he seen the, the the white dude that got out the car and was yeah. talking shit to Kevon had a gun in his waist. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't even say nothing, just walked away. And mind you, uh, me, my homie uh, from Ghana, Theo, we was roommates. Aaron was our other other roommate. So I was like, I was like, me and Aaron lived in the same crib. Yeah. And it's like, he just walked away from that situation. Yeah. So I was like, man. I, so I, all that to say, I remember uh, just how, like, I don't know. It got that, real not, volatile. It was volatile as hell. It was very, like, like the... The fire was sparked in the air from Trayvon. Like, that fire was lit. And it it was small. And it started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember saying to somebody, I was like, it's like they just ain't going to give up. They they want us to pop some shit off. Like, because it just ain't, it's too obvious. And then when this camera footage starts showing up, phone images and stuff start popping out there like that, it's like, oh, y'all just living bogus, you know? Stuff that I think people ignored that they had always seen. You know what I'm saying? But um But I mean, like like you said, I mean, we were talking about some other shit earlier, but you might not see something in your own community, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Certain like certain things, but every so often. But yeah. w- like we like we have a nationalism to ourselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What happens to somebody in Florida or in St. Louis or on the West Coast? Yeah. Like that's black. It feel like it's happening to our family. It's like it's happening like that's our people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like be coming into a situation where we're witnessing our black family nationwide go through things and be, you know what I'm saying, like uh and be able to see it visually. Yeah. Like you said the visual element, it do something different. And she with Trayvon, it's like, man, I've been that. I've been Trayvon before. I'm, 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 I got up, I went to the store, got two simple items, something to drink, something to snack on, turned around, going right back to the crib. Mm-hmm. And what, some white boy? Nah, uh, nah. Was it police? No. Who was it? I said I done did that trip many oh, times. Oh, okay, no, no, I got you. Just generally, you know what I'm saying? I'm, Just generally. But I'm also thinking about Mike Brown, uh, right before he was killed by the police. Uh, he had went to the store. You know, they tried to put together something that he tried, he stole some cigars or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, he was caught. You know, he was caught by the police uh, or stopped by the police when he was walking from the store. Yeah. So I mean, just regular ass trips for black men yeah, is deadly. We do that. We do on the regular. 
Yeah. You know, so that could have been, you know, I know that situation far as I have been dealt with by police and dealt with dealing with police, but not in that situation. But like just that normal trip to the store, you, you know, it could have been a game on and it was halftime. Let me go to the store and get it and get something to drink real fast and come back to the crib and finish looking at this game or whatever. Well, he could have been on the game, you know what I'm saying? Doing this thing, you know what I'm saying? You got to make a little break off of it, come back and get back on it. You wasn't expecting no shit like that to happen. It I showed know. the vulnerability of a black male in the United States just to live. Hey, on that note, let's switch up the order a little bit. Talk about Amir Locke. Yeah. So um, we're going to talk about Ahmaud Arbery's case that we talked about previously a little bit later at the end. Yeah. But let's talk about Amir Locke. So he's our brother that was up there in Minnesota. Yeah. And uh, 22 years old. Go on and tell the story, Aki. 22 years old, you know what I'm saying? Um, young man, you know, um, search warrant was searched on an apartment. He was sleep on the couch. The police came in, very questionable, with a key. It was on camera, so you can see all of this. They opened with a key, um, entered the apartment. Once they crossed the threshold they announced themselves and but that's isn't that just an arbitrary type of like difference you know what I'm saying whether they as an inch inside the door frame or an inch outside of the door frame yeah. that's where the law is falling the, the, it, it doesn't matter how long you know what I'm saying you say that the police were coming in yeah. you're not giving nobody no chance yeah that, it, you know? it's crazy that that was they was that's what they're defending themselves with because that's the law yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's some bullshit. Go ahead, Aki. My bad. Brother uh, was on the couch, sleep, covers on him. He rolls up from under the covers. Um, he did have a gun with him, and they shot him to death. Um, come to find out, he was a card carrying, Foy card. Gun owner. Legal permit. For that gun. Right. Um, For people, if you don't have a gun, sometimes you may sleep with your gun. I don't, I don't care what you say. <laughs> exactly. If you don't sleep with it, you got it close to you, maybe up under your pillow, something like that. Especially if you live in a very... um. If you living in 2022, no, but living in 2022 and living in the hood, right? Let alone from that, they opened his door, serving a search warrant. He was not even the name on the search warrant. There was no search warrants issued for him, right? It was issued for someone else. Um, so within ten, within ten seconds of the police entering this apartment, they kill our brother Amir Locke. Literally, a week away from moving to Dallas to be with his mom to pursue music. True indeed. You know what I'm saying? His father on the press conference broke down. Heartbroken. You know, and I understand you're supposed to break down when that's your son. You know what I'm saying? Especially when your son was taken out on some bullshit like this. Right. Right. I mean, no, and I, and I mentioned it because I felt that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I felt that shit. I mean, you know, um, Minnesota, they, you know, they did, they, 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 you know, Minneapolis, they didn't already have some other shit pop off there recently. It's going down again, you know. George Floyd, same place, right? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So, um, it's um, you know, it's a sad situation right there, you know. Um, 
My man was a card-carrying Ford card, you know, carrying man. He had a license for his gun. You know, he did it the right way. And even when you do it the right way, you still got to deal with shit like that. But, you know, they're blaming a lot of this on the no-lock law. And um, I thought it was supposed to be abolished or were they trying to abolish the no-lock law? I think it's just been a conversation. I don't know if... Because, yeah, I think the no-knock shit, that conversation really popped off of Breonna Taylor down yeah. in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? George Floyd just got... I mean, not just, but he had a knee that was knocked on his neck that killed him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I'm not sure that the no-knock warrant was, you know what I'm saying, a big discussion in Minneapolis. And, I don't, yeah. and, and federally, it's not no discussion. I don't, they've been talking about it. You know what I'm saying? And I think it probably was mm -hmm. from the Breonna Taylor. Mm -hmm. But they mentioned it a lot in this uh, situation. Now, I think Louisville, we might got to check the record. I know we talked about it before. They might have yeah. done something about no-knock warrants. They, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, that, like that, And that's my point. There's not a federal yeah. policy against it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? There needs to be a federal prohibition of no-knock warrants. You know? Uh, but that's not what we're seeing. We're only seeing it in spots. Yeah. You know, and uh, we should really check the record on that stuff, too. I mean, because, I mean, I mean, it comes down to arbitrary shit. Like, yeah, I mean, because the police once the one, the police said that they didn't even execute no no knock warrant with Breonna Taylor. Yeah. You know, they claimed that they was banging on the door and announcing themselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course, neighbors dispute that. But that's the official police version of the story. Yeah. So, uh, but you got to think some of these no-knock laws could come down to simple shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, in this Amir Locke case, the, the question is, did the tip, did, did the tippy toe of the first police officer cross into the doorframe before they started shouting? Yeah. And they all started shouting at once. You can't even understand what's really being said. If you've been woken up middle of the night, I think they said this is after 1 a.m. Yeah, I, th I think it might have been two or three a.m. Well, yeah, that sound right, like a no knock. You know what I'm saying? So they they come in there, everybody's yelling, and you wake up, and of course you're gonna panic at first and grab your weapon, a tool which is supposed to protect you. Mm -hmm. a, a gun is a tool that's supposed to protect you. Yeah. So you shouldn't be killed automatically, especially you know what I'm saying? Like just for that, they came in there on some flawed shit. I mean, you know, no, not, you know, shout out to Gil Scat Heron, you know, early MC, rap, poet, pioneer. Um, he called out the no not law back in the 70s when they was instituting it in New York. Um, they had actually got it from California. That came during the time of the Panthers. They issued the no knock law in the beginning. Then it popped up again in the 80s in California. The no-knock popped up and became prominent again, or 70s too, when the gangbanging, the Crips, and the blood started in California. So it's always been used as a tool to try to round up black men. And it's always the same. They're kicking your door around between 2 and 4 in the morning when nobody's up, when everybody's generally asleep, you know, and... As I said, if you live in communities where violence and stuff is prominent, you know, you're going to be liable to have your tool on you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this old rule says you keep your sword on you at all times. You know? Um, but it's just another it's just another showing in the fallacies and flaws of this government and, they, and how they have laws set up. And it's something that the people got to watch out for. Mm -hmm. You know? 
because no knock could be coming to your door soon. You know? Facts. Facts. I mean, like, man, we got to watch out walking to the store. <laughs> we got to get wa- some lemonade and Skittles. We got to watch out motherfucking taking a nap on the couch, Aki. What kind of shit is that? Sleeping on the couch. <laughs> what kind of shit is that? <laughs> man. You know what I'm saying? I can't go to sleep. I work. I can't go to sleep. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is real, man. And it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that make you think, though. You know what I'm saying? If you sitting in the house, you didn't got off work, you didn't fell asleep off a Netflix binge, you know, after work, you know, or you didn't fell asleep doing some homework or whatever. And next thing you know, boom. He could have held up a remote control and they would have fired. Honestly. Facts. Complete facts. Like real. He could have came up with the remote control. He could he could have came up with the remote control in his hand and got shot. Just the same. You know what I'm saying? Um, he's a black man with something in his hand that looks similar to a gun. And I got a gun. I'm going to neutralize this target. There it is. White supremacy at its finest. And it's savage. So... Moving on to the next topic, you know, I'm trying to get my segue transition game up. I got you. White supremacy has some of its greatest promoters, finds its best public face and supporters, oftentimes. But oftentimes. white supremacy's best public face is a black one, a Negro. White supremacy's best performing public face is a black person, Negro P. And we could even go further and say a black woman. But I admit that that's up for debate. That's up for debate. But in this case, when we're talking about Kristen Clark. It is a black woman. It is a black woman. But there's also (laughs) a longtime opponent of of good things for black people when it comes to social movements. The lawyer, Benjamin Crump. Oh, God. He's also involved in this story, too. Yeah. So, uh... A whole nother story No I mean same story But a whole nother story With that brother uh, He's a long time Thorn in the side Of black liberation <laughs> For the last Since Trayvon Martin Exactly Aki And he's been <laughs> Damn near part of, he, he was involved with Breonna Taylor He was yeah. involved with Dante Wright He was involved with I mean shit The list goes on Aki yeah, Damn yeah Cause um I'm thinking Damn dear About 70% Of all <laughs> the joints That was pop Yeah bro It's like that how many times has he won? He the one that's bro. I don't know. In some twisted way, they might call Breonna Taylor and the, the civil settlement they did with the the city uh, a victory. But I, I'm really not sure, Aki. Go, go ahead, go, go ahead with you. Uh, yeah, we talk about he coming. So, all of that to set up a conversation about Ahmad Aubrey, which we we motioned toward earlier. So let's tackle it. So we know that the three men that were that murdered, we'll just straight up say it now. Uh, our oh, brother no. Ahmad Aubrey tracked, tracked down and murdered, e- executed, executed, hunted. Uh, yeah. And so they were found guilty, but they for the charges of murder. They were also up for the federal charges of hate crime, saying it was racially motivated, right? Yeah. Which it clearly was. You can look at their past Facebook posts; they were racist. True. You can look at their actions in the moment. They were racist. True. You can look at their defense of themselves. They're racist. All the way. Plenty of evidence pointing to their racism, right? So, 
back to Kristen Clark. We have not mentioned her name before in the podcast. She is the assistant attorney general, and she heads up the civil rights division for the DOJ, Joe Biden's DOJ. Wow. Black woman. And she's been in this position since May 2021, a graduate of Harvard and Columbia Law School, so the alma mater of our former president, Barack Obama. Uh, child of Jamaican immigrants. Uh, that's going to matter for some more than others. True. Now, most of her career is built around uh, a voting rights focus. But let's talk about uh, how she's involved in this Ahmaud Arbery case. So uh, Ahmaud Arbery's killers are up for the hate crimes, which is, you know, I believe might have been the Obama era where that emerged as part of the federal law that you could charge people with. Um, racially motivated hate crimes and other, you know, uh, identity groups as well. So they're up for those charges and the state is working with the feds. Uh, they're trying to work through a plea deal a few weeks uh, within the past two weeks. They work that they, they try to work out a plea deal with the killers. Right. Yeah. So the, the state prosecutors is working with the federal prosecutors and uh, we'll get to the lawyers at the families in a second. Yeah. That, that's where Benjamin Crump comes in. But they're trying to work out a plea deal for the killers, right, Aki, to ensure that they serve their time in federal prisons as opposed to state prisons, yeah. right? Even though the family was calling for them to serve their time in state prisons, yeah. that that is the routine. Yes. And uh, when it, especially when it comes to hate-motivated crimes like this, I think yeah. the victim's family does have a role to play. Yes. As they're afforded to by law. I mean, as we're about to find out. So, the state is working with the feds, trying to get this plea deal in action. And so, Benjamin Crump, the lawyer for the... uh, And there might have been another lawyer, but he's at least the the lawyer of one of the... uh, Either the father or mother. I believe it's the mother, though. If it's not both of them, he's the the lawyer for the mother. Yeah. Uh, So... They came out and said during the, these proceedings without the family president present. Yeah. Benjamin Crump says, oh, the family wouldn't mind that plea deal. Yeah. Right. So once the family finally gets wind of this, they come out, both the mother and father of Ahmaud Arbery and say, hell no. Wow, we don't want none of that. Hell no. We, and we've been telling y'all from the jump we never wanted that. From the jump we told y'all that. Mm. So we should all be looking at this is another I mean this nigga is on his third third strike with me Aki he's on his fourth with me (laughs) his no his third third strike like (laughs) third third strike (laughs) real talk cause he probably did nine damn cases Aki that's what I'm saying Aki and so Benjamin Crump speaking uh, opposed to what the family wanted he's supposed to be representing the family's interests he says, oh, you know, that that's a deal that they, they, they won't mind. Luckily, the, the family got that shit overturned. But here's the last point I'll leave it with. Kristen Clark, in the federal proceedings, right, in her, se- in her section of the DOJ, when it came to light that the family objected to this, right, mm-hmm. did she say, oh, we were wrong for offering this plea deal? And we'll make sure that their time that they serve is spent in the state penitentiary nah, she where they belong. That, she said, despite the parents' objections coming to light, she was still pushing 
for the plea bargain to be accepted. Now, she's quoted as saying the plea bargain would, quote, powerfully advance larger interests of justice and allow for some healing to, to begin. Now, th- that pisses me off, Aki, because she she is... <laughs> She she is utilize, like wrongfully using the parents' healing. Speaking for the, she's a federal law person, and she's talking about. So the, yeah, we'll 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 go against the family's wishes because this will allow for healing to begin. The family's telling you what they want. She go said, ahead, Aki. First of all, shout out. To Amir Locke's parents. Yes. Because they say, we ain't going for this shit. We ain't finna agree for him to go to some, to take these federal charges. Because pretty much in simple in simple ways, they want the federal charges to supersede the state. So he, he's going to get charged for hate crimes. I mean, he's going to get charged for murder through the state. His hate crimes through the feds are still going to be associated with murder. You know what I'm saying? So, if they take it, they supersede that, he goes to the federal penitentiary. He goes to the federal penitentiary. Now, as we talked about earlier when we was talking about this, Ike. And the plea deal included for the the one that pulled the trigger, five years of of the end of his sentence to be supervised release. Yeah. That's part of the plea bargain. Yeah. The redhead. Right. That's him. Right? So, you know, of course, that's why I say shout out to the parents. Because, you know, you know how black folks is. We uh, we can sense, uh, we can sense colonizer, colonizerism <laughs> that flows and pumps through your blood when you hear it. And uh, it's pretty much a simple thing. They want these people to get... You know, that soft time, that vacation space in the federal penitentiary, you know, they get shipped, you know, maybe here or there, you know, sit there for about four or five years, 10 years, and they ship them somewhere else. Nobody knows you in there, really, even though word does travel. Nobody really knows you in there and things of that such nature. You can get a good protective custody type deal going on in there. But when you do state, it's different. Because everybody knows you. And they in the state of what? Georgia. 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 Who dominates the prisons in Georgia? We know that. <sighs> we down there deep. I know the GDs are down there deep. You know, we down there thick, thickening grits. And killing a brother like they killed my Aubrey would have not made their time pretty. Word was going to get back to the homies and the G's about you. And l- luckily, I believe it will. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, it will. L- luckily, well, I think, back. I, luckily, I think that that's where they're going to end up is the state pen. You could go and play like this. That type of stuff will get you iced in PC. If For those who don't know, PC is protective custody. That type of stuff will get you iced in protective custody. <laughs> I don't even want them killed. I want. I just want them to suffer. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to say I want to get but, but iced, beat down, stumped out. Whatever choose, whatever they choose to do, they probably will just stump you out because they got time. Because <laughs> you got, you did a murder. They got time, you know. I mean, um, this is the situation, man, of, of seeing, you know, um, the face of white supremacy 
coming through the 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 appearance of a, a black person, mm-hmm. a black woman in this situation. Um, and this guy Benjamin Crump, man, come on, man. I don't even. I think he only maybe won what twice, two cases. I don't even know, Aki. You know, he's notorious for this. He don't get justice for the families. You know what he get? He get them a check. Yep. That's what Benjamin Crump get the family. Yep. Benjamin Crump get them a check. And, you know, I'm sort of upset that they got him as a lawyer. But it's like, that's who everybody go to. Well, he did the last... He didn't got paid. He didn't got paid in the last 15 years. Real good. He could retire. Yeah, we need some good black investigative journalists. We don't even got black lawyers like we used to have them no more. I mean, we got black lawyers, plenty of them, but the ones like we used to have in the 70s, the ones that was defending those cases for the Panthers and the We ain't got none that have a national present stage, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some out there, no doubt. The last one we had was, you know, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Damn it. He did Tupac. He did OJ. You ain't talking about Cochran? Yes. Cochran defended a couple of pro-black brothers in the 70s, too. I think he defended Hugh P. Newton one time. You know, we had a lot, you know, we need lawyers like that, man. We got this brother out here, man. He just ain't cutting it, you know what I'm saying? Some other people need, you know, hopefully step up, but we need to find other people. We need a black lawyer's think tank bank to pull people from to make something happen because this is not, you know what I'm saying, working out right now. But, you know, these back deals that these DAs and these district attorneys and uh, cut with uh, these the, the, the prosecutors, we got to watch stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, old homie once told me, he said they all they both in the same lodge. Mm. <laughs> they both go to the same lodge. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? Their job is to work out a negotiation on the back door to come together that the both sides can benefit. Mm-hmm. And that always comes to the point of him getting paid and them getting paid. Yeah. So even as with something, I mean, to end off our key, even with something as tragic as our execution, our killing mm-hmm. by the state or, you know, the ignoring of our killing by, you know, white vigilantes by the state. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, we got black people that stand to benefit by acting against our collective you know, uh, need yeah. our collective will. You know what I'm saying? So, I, you know, uh, I, I ain't gonna even say I, I hope Kristen Clark, you know, what I'm saying do better in her position because I just ain't got no hope for that. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, you know, with all that being said, I any last words for this episode. Um, you know, just remember, you know, um, protect yourself out here. You know, be safe. Um. I know you think you can roam and, and, and travel anywhere you want to and you should be able to, but sometimes think about where you at. Um, but these people were damn dead near their homes when all of this happened. So, you know, the system is real. Blackmail is a target. Stay alive, stay alert. That's it for me. Peace. That's it for me too, Aki. Peace, y'all.